holidays, everybody. I'm saying happy holidays because God forbid anybody say Merry Christmas. Yes, that's right. The political correctness of all of our speech means that no one can say Merry Christmas anymore because you might offend somebody who doesn't celebrate Christmas. Although, if you listen to my religion versus science episode and you heard me break down the percentages of religion across the world, Christianity is kicking everybody else's ass. So, there is a much higher likelihood if you say Merry Christmas to somebody that they celebrate Christmas than there is a likelihood that they don't. Let's quit fucking catering to the small faction. If a Speedway notices that the majority of their clientele prefer Coors Light over Bud Light, they don't just order an equal balance of Coors Light and Bud Light when they get their inventory. They will order more Coors Light and less Bud Light. Now, that might mean that somebody that wants to get Bud Light one night comes in and says, oh no, there's no more Bud Light. How come you guys didn't get more? Well, because you're not the larger faction. It's how everything in life works. Why we think that speech and things like that should all of a sudden be different than the way everything else works is beyond me. And cutting out finger quotes, Merry Christmas, and instead saying Happy Holidays, it doesn't change anything. Everything is still fucking Christmas related in the stores, the music, everything. It's all still Christmas. People are somehow satisfied because they got someone to change a certain aspect of the vernacular, but everything else in your face is still fucking Christmas. It's like if I have a big smile on my face, a genuine smile, and then kick you squarely in the nuts while I'm smiling at you, it doesn't make you want to smile back at me. I still just kicked you in the nuts. That may sound like a really stupid analogy, but in my mind what that is, the smile is the appeasement of everybody with their politically correct speech of saying happy holidays, but still just having Christmas on display everywhere else. That's the kick in the nuts. The smile doesn't matter. Now, before I dive too deep into Christmas traditions, the theme of this episode, I want to give you guys some updates. So, the part arrived for my furnace. I installed it. It did the same thing. So, the problem lies elsewhere. However, I have now installed a new thermostat and a new limit switch, which means that when I do finally cave in and have someone come look at my furnace, I will be able to tell them, it ain't the fucking thermostat and it ain't the fucking limit switch. Don't waste your time. Additionally, on TikTok, I have a video out there with over 50,000 views. That's right, over 50,000 views. Yay! For those in the content creation space, they're probably hearing that and thinking, that ain't that much. How many likes do you have? How many comments? How many shares? Shut the fuck up! Let me roll around happily in my 50,000 views and just be like, holy shit, I've reached over 50,000 people. And that is in a matter of a few days. I also have another video that I posted only 18 hours ago, which is almost up to a thousand views. And what I've found with the one that has 50,000 views is once you start to get more and more views, the algorithm of TikTok will put it in more people's feeds, and then you'll also get more likes, which then means it shows up even more. And then if you get shares, now you've got that whole viral thing going on. So the video that I just discussed that has almost a thousand views, I will tell you only like four hours ago was at like 250. So it's starting to catch fire. So please make sure you go follow me on TikTok at Jeff Becomes Jeff. All of the stuff I'm posting out there is of a comedy nature, or at least I think so. So the big updates, Jeff's furnace, still a broken piece of shit. Jeff's ability to figure out TikTok is getting better. So a little bad news, good news. 
All right, so back to the Christmas tradition topic. As I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, the whole happy holidays, we don't want to offend people who might be Jewish or celebrate Kwanzaa or I I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know shit about any other holiday taking place this time of year. I know of Hanukkah. I know it exists. I know it has to do with candles and eight days of giving. And I only know that because of Adam Sandler and his cartoon movie, Eight Crazy Nights, which I will say is I used to, I haven't seen it in years, but I used to love that movie. But other than that, I really don't know anything about Hanukkah. I have no fucking clue what Kwanzaa is. I think there might be something else this time of year, like Ramadan, or which sounds like a Godzilla villain. Oh, Rook! Ramadan going after Godzilla! And it's not that I don't care about other people's religions or traditions, but I really, okay, it is, I don't care. But that's fine. It's not a lack of caring out of malice. It's just simply because it has nothing to do with me or my life. And unless I'm doing a research project on those topics, it doesn't make any sense for me to spend a lot of time learning about them. So that is why we're not focusing on December traditions or holiday traditions. We're focusing on Christmas traditions because that's what I know. Of course, one of the biggest traditions with Christmas time is decorations, lights, trees, all the stuff that people do to their home. And that shit began a long time ago. It was November 1st or November 2nd when I first drove down the street in my neighborhood and noticed more than one house with all of their Christmas lights out. I proceeded to throw up in my own mouth and continue to my poorly lit driveway. The other day when I was out door dashing, I actually went up a street and there were like these two houses right next to each other that had these weird light. I mean, they were decked out, but the lights were changing and moving constantly in weird chunks between the two houses. Even at a distance creeping up on the houses, you could tell there was something coordinated going on here between these two houses. Then when you pull up beside them, you see there's a sign out front that says tune in to 87.3 on your dial or something like that. So I'm I'm like, okay, I get it. There must be some radio broadcast feed that people can tap their lights into, and these two neighbors have tag-teamed to put on a light show. Now, the house I was delivering to was just around the corner, so I I got the delivery done really quick, and then as I backed out of that person's driveway, I dialed into that radio station so that when I drove back by, I could kind of creep and see how it looked. It was, eh. I mean, it's clever. But oh my god, if people across the street from me did that, I would be out of my fucking mind. That's one of those things that's cool, like the first day. After that, it's fucking annoying. Not to mention the fact that you have cars that are constantly going to drive by, just like me, and there was another car that, since I had made my delivery, just around the corner, had slowed and stopped in front of the houses to tune in their radio, I'm sure, and watch the display, and now here I am slowly creeping by on the other side of the street. So now you've got people clogging up the street in front of these houses to watch this mediocre light show. So that was cool in concept, but even to me, it got old after 30 seconds. Again, if I'm the fucking neighbor, by day 3, 5, 10, 24, I'm ready to break Santa's leg off at the knee and shove his bloody stump of a leg into my neighbor's asshole. As I've mentioned, I'm not doing Christmas decorating this year at all. Nothing, not a fucking little ribbon, not a single strand of lights, no tree, no nothing. 
regarding exterior lighting on my house outside, yeah, I have done it here and there. It's not consistent. There have been many years that it's like, eh. Because inevitably, I will put the lights up like, oh, two weeks before Christmas and then take them down Christmas Day. And then I think to myself the next year, I'm like, man, do I really want to go out in the cold and do all of this work for like four to five hours for two weeks of enjoyment. Oh, wait, who's enjoying it? Not me, because I'm inside my house. Son of a bitch. But because of my fear of heights, my lighting has always been very minimal. Always on the first floor, nothing higher than the first story gutter. And even then, I'm not comfortable climbing a ladder just up to be face level with my gutter. That freaks me out. So I use a special tool and these special clips that essentially allows me to use like a long broom handle and clip my lights on standing from the ground onto the edge of the gutter. And then I rope lights around little pillars and columns on my front porch and mostly just my porch and over my garage that has lighting. And that's about it, which is fine. It's something. But this year, fuck it. My son has spent one night at the house in the last two weeks. My daughter has not spent a night in the house in probably over a year at this point. So I am, for all intents and purposes, an empty nester. Why am I going to decorate all of this shit for no one to enjoy? It was just like with all my Halloween decorations. As much as I love Halloween and I get enjoyment out of it, it's kind of like that crazy light display in that neighborhood. It, it gets old after, you know, day one, day two, day three. It's like, okay, fine. And if no one else is around to enjoy it, it's like, what's the point? If a tree falls in the forest, does Jeff put lights up on his house? No. Jeff does not. Even if the tree doesn't fucking fall, Jeff does not put lights up. You're a Scrooge McGrinch. Yes, I am. And I will wear that badge proudly. But I will definitely say to all of you exterior home Christmas decorators, make sure that you're focusing more on the interior decorations than you are the exterior. Because you're inside the fucking house. You don't live on Pink Floyd Light Show Lane. And if you do, that's a pretty cool fucking street name. But I'm pretty sure you don't. So you're not expected to put on a light show and spend all of the time and the money to entertain your neighbors and the general pizza delivery guy passing by. Also, when it comes to your lighting, be consistent. White lighting or colored lighting. Those are two very different worlds. All white lighting is a little more tasteful, a little more subtle. Don't get me wrong, I love multicolored lighting. I think if you're gonna light shit up, hey, make it playful and loud and crazy. But pick one and stick with one. Don't try and mesh those things up. Don't do this tasteful white house and then all of a sudden have this multicolored bush with a big inflatable reindeer in front of it. There goes your upscale white lighting. And boy, do I hate giant inflatable fucking shit. It happens multiple holidays. There's big inflatable turkeys in people's yard around Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, here comes the big giant inflatable Santa and reindeer. And during Halloween, there's big inflatable goblins and ghosts. These things drive me fucking crazy. My homeowners association will find me if I paint my mailbox an inappropriate shade of tan. Yet it's perfectly fine for the guy four doors down to have a Macy's parade float in his front yard for two months out of the year. 
Also, now the new thing is like, okay, I don't want to put up any lights, so I'm going to buy this light that I stick in my yard like 10 feet away from my house, and it shines these like snowflakes and elves and things up on my house that move around. This is basically the equivalent of what an eight-year-old girl would turn on in her bedroom to see the shapes of multicolored unicorns and princesses rotating around her while she's trying to fall asleep. It's cheesy. And if you're going to use these, I'm not saying they can't be used, but don't just set it far away from your house and say, I hope I can cover as much of my house as possible. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get your whole house. It usually ends up being like your garage and then half the front door. And then half of your house is just dark. Place them strategically. Maybe illuminate a doorway or something. Just something subtle. Ugh, all right. Whew. Blood pressure elevated. Jeff has grievances. The last thing I will discuss when it comes to Christmas decorations is the big one, the tree. Obviously, there's the discussion of real tree versus fake tree. I have never done a real tree in my entire adult life, and I've been living on my own since I was 17 years old. I do recall some years that my parents got a real tree. I don't have any vivid memory of that. I just kind of remember the tree being out by the street after Christmas for the trash guys to get. Honestly, both are messy as fuck. The tree will lose pine needles constantly, but the shit on a fake tree falls off constantly too. I still have the little, I guess what you would call the quote unquote finger quotes needles from my fake tree. I still find those in like October or November here or there throughout the house. I will say the reason I tend to lean away from a live tree is because it just seems like a huge fire hazard. I mean, a real tree is basically just a bunch of kindling and uncut logs, and you just adorn it with a shit ton of electrical wiring and lighting. That sounds safe, Jeff. While I'm sure that the faux needles on a fake tree would be able to catch fire, the aluminum pole and wiring that is the base and the spine of the tree, you can't burn that. Like, you can't set fire to an aluminum pole. If you're stranded on an island that has no trees, but you have an endless supply of aluminum poles, you will die of hypothermia because you will never fucking get a fire going with those aluminum poles. The trees, on the other hand, oh, those babies will burn. Burn, baby, burn. Christmas Inferno. Burn, baby, burn. Burn your whole house down. And of course, we can't discuss Christmas without talking about shopping. I will say that purchasing even the most basic item in the month of December can be a pain in the ass. There's nothing worse than it being like the third week of December on a Thursday evening and you need a new belt. Like your other one completely broke and you need a new belt for work tomorrow. So you're like, I'm going to stop into Target and get a cheap belt really fast. But about three steps into the Target, you realize this is going to take at least a half hour. It will take you three minutes to walk to the men's department, find your belt, and walk to where the checkout area is. It will take you 27 plus more minutes to check out. Also in the grocery stores, like baking. Baking is very common during December and the Christmas season. So things like milk, butter, eggs, sugar, brown sugar, vanilla, flour. It is not uncommon to see shelves wiped out of certain things on any given day. So plan accordingly. And of course, every store, gas station, pizza shop, you name it, has fucking Christmas music playing through the Muzak, the, you know, piped in music through the speakers, usually as early as mid-November. 
I feel so bad for the employees that work at any of these places because they're only getting that one playlist. At least as a general consumer, I might walk into a Chipotle and I get to hear one Christmas playlist. Then I go to Target and I get a different Christmas playlist. I could give two shits about either playlist in either store and would prefer that neither of them were playing, but at least I'm not listening to the same fucking playlist all the time. And just like those houses in that neighborhood, I'm sure for some of the employees, you know, the first day or two that that music starts piping through, they're enjoying it. It's getting them into the Christmas spirit. By day three, day four, day five, they're going to the men's department to find a belt, and then they're going to the storage department to find a closet. But it bleeds through into even advertising. Like, all of the ads that you see this time of year, no matter what the fuck it's for, it's always got some kind of holiday themey music in the background with bells and what other instruments you would use to have holiday-themed bullshit. In TV commercials, everybody's, of course, in, like, some turtleneck sweater with holiday print on it or a scarf or gloves. They really sell the vibe. But let's go back to what I said early in the podcast about happy holidays and political correctness. That's my point. It's still fucking Christmas, 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 Christmas jammed down your throat hole and up your butthole, just like that neighbor with Santa's bloody stump. And no matter how many times you say happy holidays, it doesn't mean you're not driving fucking Christmas down everybody's throat. Quit worrying about fucking happy holidays. That's the smile during the kick in the nuts. Just fucking say Merry Christmas. So, a perfect transition here while we were talking about music and advertisements and all of the the holiday music that you hear in retail locations and in advertising. Let's wrap this episode up with a discussion about Christmas music and Christmas songs. I have done some relatively extensive research on this because I was also curious to an extent about the history of Christmas music as we know it. How far back do these traditions and these songs actually go? So I'll work more or less chronologically with you here over like some pretty popular Christmas songs, Christmas carols. But just to give you an idea before we get started and dive deep and just get your brain juices working, the song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, a very, very popular Christmas song, was written in 1944, not that long ago. And it wasn't really written to be a Christmas song per se. It was written for a movie. That movie did not even have a Christmas-themed title. It was called Meet Me in St. Louis, starring the lovely Judy Garland. So just be aware as we're going through this chronological list, I just wanted to set you up ahead of time with knowing that that very popular Christmas song is less than 80 years old and was written for a soundtrack, not for the Speedway Muzak. One thing that I think I learned doing this research was that there is a difference between a Christmas song and a Christmas carol. Christmas carols do have older roots, but were also more typically rooted in Christianity and religion and faith, not necessarily revolving around the Christmas season or family gatherings or toys or gift giving. Now, of course, I'm not going to discuss every single Christmas carol or every single Christmas song, but I do have a pretty extensive list here to discuss and chronicle the shift from Christmas carol in a more religiously themed celebration versus a Christmas song, which is more about toys, family, cake, stores, Christmas trees, 
you know, all the shit that makes corporations a lot of fucking money. So the first song we will discuss is a very popular Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king. Now, this is a pretty old one. It goes back to 1739 when it was written for a print publication, so not necessarily written as a song. And the author of Hark the Herald Angels Sing is Charles Wesley, and he based it on a biblical passage, Luke 2.14. So like I said, very Christian-rooted, but that passage, Luke 2.14, apparently tells of an angelic chorus singing to God, and that's kind of what he wrote this song about. So like I said, 1739 was when this was written for that print publication. In 1754 and then again 1782, his work was, finger quotes, changed to better suit other publications. So basically plagiarism, people stole his work and edited it to what we now know as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I'm going to read to you the entire original lyrics for Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Yay! Hark how all the welkin rings, I don't know what that fucking means, Glory to the King of Kings. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. All right, that second line, pretty similar. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Universal nature say, Christ the Lord is born today. Okay, not too far off. Next verse. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Okay, so there must have been some accent by Charles Wesley where where come and womb rhymed with each other, because otherwise that fucking sucks. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to appear, I don't even know what that means, it's T apostrophe appear, to appear I guess, Jesus our Emmanuel here. All right, it's getting a little weirder. Here we go, next verse. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Another shitty rhyme. Light and life to all he brings. Rising with healing in his wings. That's uh, that's a goofy line. That sounds like something from a Journey song. Rising with healing in his wings. Okay, continuing. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Oh, no, ladies. Oh, sweetie, no. You poor... Poor ladies have been left out. He was born to raise the sons of the earth. Apparently the daughters can just fuck off. Also, let's not forget born that man no more may die. Man, what about woman? And the last line of this verse, born to give them second birth. Again, that sucks for the women. Now they have to push these men out a second time, and they're probably much larger at this point. That's just going to tear a lady open, let's be honest. All right, we have two more verses here. Let's get through it. Come, desire of nations, come. It's a lot of coming. Fix us in thy humble home. Mm, Here we go. Shitty rhymes. Rise the woman's conquering seed. We're mentioning women now, but all we care about is her seed. Oh, sweetie, no. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Fucking rhymes. Awful. Now display thy saving power. Ruin nature, now restore. You know what I'm going to say. Now in mystic union join thine to ours and ours to thine. All right, last verse. Adam's likeness, Lord of face. All right, Adam, 
No mention of Eve. Oh, sweetie, no. Stamp thy image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. So apparently, I guess Jesus is Adam number two. Jesus is Adam's sequel. Let us thee, though lost, regain. Thee, the life, the inner man. At this point, I think he's just running out of things to say, and it's just like, thee, though, thy, they, though, thee, thee, though, they, thee, thy, though. All right, let's just read these last two lines again. Let us thee, though lost, regain. Thee, the life, the inner man. That's a tongue twister. Oh, to all thyself and part, formed an age-believing fart. I'm sorry, heart. Heart, I read that incorrectly. So that is the original Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I'm pretty sure if you scope out the modern lyrics, they might be a tad different. All right, moving on to another old Christmas carol from 1818, Silent Night. Another very popular song. Now, this was written, but the manuscript of the lyrics was supposedly lost. Yet somehow, a priest in New York City in 1859... Finger quotes! ...translated the lyrics even though they were lost. So essentially, he just wrote fucking new lyrics. Let's be honest, people. The copyright laws for music just wasn't the same back then. I will say that the line... Sleep in heavenly peace... ...is creepy. Sleeping in heavenly peace? That kind of sounds like I'm dead. What are you trying to tell me to do? It's Christmas Eve. I don't want to sleep in heavenly peace. I want to wake up tomorrow. Daddy, why? Clearly, this song is about the Immaculate Conception and the birth of that said Immaculate Conception. But on the bright side, you know, we know that despite that Mary was raped in her sleep by the most powerful entity in existence, at least the town was quiet after she gave birth. There weren't a bunch of hooligans outside setting off fireworks. It was also bright, which is weird because there was no electricity. Maybe the neighbor's house was on fire. Now jumping ahead to 1843, Oh Holy Night. This was actually written for the celebration of a church organ renovation. So a church had had their organ renovated because it was fucking broken. So they basically got their fucking broke down piece of shit organ fixed. And as celebration, they hired a dude to write a song of celebration. Just like Silent Night, this was then edited or translated, basically rewritten, stolen, 12 years later in 1855 by a Unitarian minister, John Sullivan Dwight, who was the author of Dwight's Journal of Music. Let that sink in. Dwight's Journal of Music. Does that sound like something you would put your faith in? In 1868, O Little Town of Bethlehem was written, originally titled. Here's the original title of O Little Town of Bethlehem, St. Louis. That's weird, Jeff. Didn't you mention St. Louis before? I did for the Judy Garland movie, Meet Me in St. Louis. But essentially, the new version of O Little Town of Bethlehem came about in 1922, quite some time later, and that's the version we know now. We don't know the St. Lewis version. Pennsylvania 
We have now made our way to the early 1900s, 1909 to be exact, when The 12 Days of Christmas was written. I fucking hate this song. I am sure most people hate this song because it's like three fucking years long. By the time you listen to the whole song, you're like, son of a bitch, I missed two and a half Christmases. I will say the early time period of this song in 1909 makes a little bit more sense with the lyrics, you know, especially in regard to the mention of turtle doves, lords, pipers, hens, a partridge. I'm pretty sure none of those are going to be lyrical components in any top 40 billboard songs in this day and age. I would also like to say, what sane man who's writing this song would think that his lady would bring him nine other dancing ladies as a present? That's the nine. Nine dancing ladies. Maybe it's nine ladies dancing. I don't I don't remember. I don't have it verbatim in my notes. But wait, there's more. That's right. The love of this guy's life, she brings him eight maids a milking. Honestly, I'd rather have the eight milking maids than the uh, nine dancing ladies. Just a matter of personal preference. So we now make our way into the 1930s where you will start to see that Christmas songs no longer Christmas carols, Christmas songs are now being written primarily for commercial reasons. We will start with Santa Claus is Coming to Town in 1934, which was originally broadcast during the Great Depression. The Great Depression and World War II had a huge impact on the creation and release of Christmas songs, as you will see. In 1941, Little Drummer Boy was written. Now, it didn't come out until 1951 when it was first recorded, but it was popularized in 1958. So this is a weird one to put into the chronological timeline, but I decided to insert it based on when it was written, not necessarily when it gained popularity. I will tell you that I fucking hate this song. This makes 12 Days of Christmas seem like Stairway to Heaven. Could you imagine a modern day song where every other line was pum 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 and tell me how well you think it would do with the general populace. But it's not even just the little pum 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 every other line. Then at the very end of each verse, they have to go pum 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 pum, rum pum pum pum, rum pum pum pum. Ugh. I am like so nauseated right now just singing that for the sake of example. I fucking hate that song. All right, so we'll now advance or go backward, however, because that last one chronologically fucked me. But 1943, another very popular Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. This one was originally recorded by Bing Crosby, which is the version many people still know today. I'll be home. For Christmas. The point of this song was to honor all of the overseas soldiers in World War II who wanted to be home for Christmas. The problem with this song is that it's promising that the soldiers will be home for Christmas, but they can't keep that promise because it's very possible they're still either going to be in a foxhole or in a body bag by the time Christmas rolls around. Oh. So it's a little fucked up. Bing Crosby, you son of a bitch. 
But anyway, that was 1943. Now you're going to start to see the years. This is where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, they saw a market in Christmas music, and they started cranking this shit out on a routine basis. One year later, 1944. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Yay! This was actually written by a second-grade school teacher, Donald Gardner, while he was just having fun with his toothless students. And was asking them, what what do you guys want for Christmas? And they're all toothless and lisping. So then he wrote a song. I think it took him 30 minutes to write the song after he had the idea. And then, just to fuck up my chronological order, this song was first commercially introduced in 1948. But 1944 is when it was written. In 1945, just another year later, Let It Snow, a hugely popular song, a hugely popular Christmas song. But let's be clear, this is not a Christmas song. There is no mention of Christmas or holidays in this song. This song was actually written during a heat wave in Hollywood, California, and the writers of the song were just simply imagining cooler temperatures because they were fucking melting to death in their shitty little apartment. But no, it is not a Christmas song. It's a precipitation song. It's kind of similar to the whole discussion of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. A lot of people say Die Hard is a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas. And the bad guy goes, ho, ho, ho. And it has a very Christmas feel. However, Die Hard was released on July 22nd, 1988. It is a summer blockbuster, not a fucking Christmas movie. Debate over. So we'll jump ahead four years to 1949. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Honestly, how is this song or the TV show even still allowed to be aired? This song is about bullying. He was different. He was picked on. He was excluded. I am amazed that our current culture has the audacity, nay, the pro-bully mentality to continue to air this song and television program. The year after that, 1950, Frosty the Snowman. Do you see a theme? Do you see a pattern? Do you see the, the frequency of increasing songs? And Frosty is another one that how dare we continue to play that? This has to be cultural appropriation. I don't think Frosty was his real name. In fact, he didn't know his own name, so they named him Frosty, which seems pretty obvious because he's made out of snow. I mean, what if his name was fucking George? This poor son of a bitch had a lifespan of a housefly, and no one even got to know him. They didn't even, we're just going to call you Frosty, but my name is George. No, it's Frosty. It's fine. You're going to melt in a couple days anyway, and forget all about this. Fucking kids. Now, I'm just going to run through a jumble of songs without crazy research or explanations just to show the pattern. We ended with Frosty in 1950, so here we go. 1951, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. 1957, Jingle Bell Rock. 1958, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Apparently, somebody saw Jingle Bell Rock and said, Hey, we need to write another Christmas song with the word rock in it. 1962. A Holly Jolly Christmas, 1963. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So many songs created in between the mid-40s to the mid-60s that to us, they all seem like they've been around forever. But they haven't. Of course, 1979 was when Paul McCartney put out Wonderful Christmas Time. I'm sure there are some people out there that, for whatever fucking reason, like that song. Wonderful Christmas Time. But it's cheesy, it's stupid, and it is beneath Paul McCartney to fucking release a song like that. 
Shame on you, Paul. Shame on you. Jumping ahead to 1984, Mary Did You Know, a very popular Christmas song nowadays, but many people might not realize that that was written in 1984. I was nine. So is this a Christmas classic? No. A Christmas tradition? Not really. It's just a Christmas song that was written to make a bunch of fucking money. The last one I will discuss, 1994. Oh boy, all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. It is fucking impossible to get through a single fucking day in the month of December if you walk into any public establishments without hearing this song at least once. In the scheme of Christmas songs, I don't think it's a bad song, I'm not saying that, but again, it's like along the lines of the whole Paul McCartney thing, Mariah Carey was already fucking huge. This was a fucking money grab. And that is what Christmas has become all about. As you'll notice with a lot of the songs that I brought up that were written and introduced since the 40s, all have to do with things that are geared towards children. Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, All I Want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Even songs like It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I mean, they mention so much stuff that has to do with the commercialism of the holiday, not the tradition of the Christian celebration. So just remember that just about 99% of everything you do related to Christmas is celebrating capitalism, commerce, the ability to live in a society so free that you can put up fucking obnoxious light displays and inflatable Santas. It is not, not about Christ or the birth of Christ. No matter what you tell yourself, it's fucking not. I will be doing a Christmas special episode for you guys that will release the Thursday before Christmas. This will be a production. It won't be me talking about stuff. I'm actually going to present a story that I'm writing right now, a Christmas story that is about kind of the history of Christmas, but done as in like a radio presentation like you would hear, you know, back in the 1930s or 40s where people listened to things on the radio and it was like a play or a TV show, but just audio only. So I am very excited about that because it is going to be very different from any previous episode and will allow me to get very theatrical with music, script writing, voiceovers, and all that fun jazz. Thank you again, everyone, for continuing to tune in. I hope you're having a happy holiday season. You're a pussy, Jeff. All right, fine. Merry Christmas. Please be sure to share this podcast with every motherfucker you know. I would also encourage you to go follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Jeff Becomes Jeff. I am doing my best to try and be more active on social media with more content. So hopefully there's an actual reason for you to go follow me. Until next time. I'm Jeff. Fun, baby, fun. Christmas Inferno. Fun, baby, fun. Burn your whole house down. And I'm Jeff. It's Christmas Eve. I don't want to sleep in heavenly peace. I want to wake up tomorrow. Daddy, why? Good night.